When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I'm Amanda Russo. Um, I started my journey with Anatolians late 2017. Um, before that, I had moved around a lot, so a farm really wasn't in the cards. But around that time, I had met my fiance, and we had moved into our first house that had land and started farming. And we figured out pretty quickly that we had a lot of pressure from different predators coyotes bears they say there are no mountain lions here but people have caught them on camera so i say that's false and even small stuff like possums and skunks and weasels um at the time in 2017 we had a bunch of chickens probably about 30 chickens um and we're just starting our journey with goats we had about three or four goats that we were milking um and we really got our first livestock dog it was right after my shepherd mix had passed away um we started losing chickens uh, we tried to free range them and that really didn't work because everything picked them off they'd walk into the woods and they would never really come back um foxes and weasels i think were the main issue with them um so we had contacted breeders and i had recently come into an inheritance and i was moving more away from shelter dogs i had a lot of health issues with the shelter dogs in the months that i had had um so i was doing a lot more research had joined a couple purebred groups and really made the switch and decided to make the switch towards well-bred dogs and working with health testing and, and registered and i thought it would be fun now that i had the time i would like to get into something that i could show and and do something with that just to do something with the dog um besides have them be a livestock dog i like to to do other things to bond with my dogs um so i looked at a couple breeders that had cross breeds and i just didn't like their answers um with why they bred it was they said to make good guardians but they didn't really take any sort of health or anything into consideration it was just oh he kind of does the job he's been livestock safe since two and We thought that they would make really cute puppies, so we bred them. And if I want something that's going to protect my animals, yes, it's a good start, but I really want something also that's going to be healthy and that I can do something with beyond that in the future. I considered possibly breeding, which we did move into breeding um, after that. But I wanted to set it up so that at least if I wanted to, I was going in the right direction. Um, So I decided not to get a puppy from those people just because I really didn't like their answers about their whys, why they wanted to breed. Um, I did find a breeder pretty local to me that um, does all the health testing. She showed her dogs um, and they were really nice dogs. The dogs had had won pretty high honors with showing and she was facing a lot of the same predators that we do. So I figured it would be good to get a dog from an environment that has a lot of the same predators because the puppies would already be used to, to some of that when they go home. Um, and that was when I got my first puppy. That was 
August, I think, August of 2017, he came home. Um, and right after he came home, no, sorry, I lied. It was the next year. It was August of 2018 um, when he came home. And right after that, we actually moved away from our first house, which was in Raymond, New Hampshire. We moved to where we currently are now um, in Franklin, New Hampshire. We got we went from five acres to 16 acres. We really increased the number of goats we had. We went from about four goats to about 20. Um, we didn't keep chickens for, for much longer after that just because my interest in them had, had dwindled. Um, we were getting more eggs than we could eat. They were hard to sell, and it was just kind of a drain. So I found new homes for them to be egg layers elsewhere. Um, and we raised our first puppy, Kunai, here at the new house in Raymond. Um, and there were even more predators here than there were, I'm sorry, in Franklin. And there were more predators here than there were when we were in Raymond. We have probably about two two large packs of coyotes. We still have the bears, lots of foxes. Um, and they were they were coming into our property. This property originally was for cows and horses, but hadn't had any livestock on it for a while. So things had just moved in. About six acres is cleared, but the, the 10 wooded acres, the packs would travel right through and push into our second field and catch rabbits that were out there and stuff. So they had kind of taken over and we had to make sure that we had enough power behind us that they would stay away. I didn't want them on my property anymore, but I also didn't want to like battle fence the whole thing in to, to force them to stay away. Cause then what's the purpose of a guard dog? I mean, if I can keep them away with super expensive fencing, that I really don't need the dogs and I really enjoyed the dogs. So we went back to the same breeder and I got a half brother of Kunai. His name is Kraken. Um, he came home in 2019. Uh, he was born in August. So he came home end of October, November of 2019. Um, and I started showing him right around then I finished showing Kunai. He became an AKC champion, which was really cool. Um, and he was turning into a fantastic guardian Neither of them really love to be pent up with the stock. They're, they love their stock, but they're, they also really, really bonded with us. So I have an um, invisible fence around my property, and they do really well just wandering and staying on the property. They check on us up at the house and interact with the kids and then go back down to the barn. And the barn is lower than the house, so they like to stay up like on the house lawn and watch the front door of the house but at the same time they do that they can also keep an eye on all the livestock which i think is cool um and they're really pretty quiet we chose not to go with some other livestock breeds we chose the anatolians mainly because of their quietness they only bark if they find an actual issue and because of their coat type i wasn't looking for a dog that i had to spend a ton of time grooming um the Anatolians are super easy. They're a wash and wear breed, so they can go roll in mud and come back filthy. And as soon as it dries, it just falls off their coat and they're clean again. Um, there's no matting. There's They're not nasty, which is really great if they want to come around the house and stuff. I wanted a dog that would always be pretty clean. Um, and they're definitely great for that. But they also have a really thick double coat. So they do well in the winter as they do in the summer. Um, in the summer, they'll shed out a lot of their undercoat, and they love to just 
bask in the sun and in the winter they grow a really thick undercoat and they love to just lay in snow holes that they dig and monitor from there so it's it's really great to have a breed that's so versatile um with our climates because we can have anything from zero to a hundred um weather changes and a lot of breeds i feel like just don't do great with that um if their coats are too long or they don't have enough coat and they're just at a disadvantage to begin with um and then at that point when we championed kunai we decided that we really would like to breed so i had co-owned a female for a while um and i bred her with an outside stud they were both fully health tested um and we got four puppies from that they were all male so that was kind of disappointing i was really looking for a female to retain and keep back and then after a lot of drama i ended up giving that female back to her co-owner and i still have two of the male puppies that i never intended to keep but that's just where we are with that there's still a lot of drama surrounding that um and right after i had given her back i really lucked out on the female the older female i have now brin she's super sweet um she's a fantastic guardian she came from colorado where they also have a ton of coyote pressure um she does love to stay with the livestock Uh, she loves us too and she doesn't mind being in the house but she's definitely much more stock oriented than the boys and adores laying with her stock and sleeping out with her stock so now not only do i have the two boys that can roam all of the six acres that i have cleared and be the first line of defense i also have dogs that work at the stock um and she's been working on training the two male puppies that I kept from the first litter um and she just had her first litter here she's got nine little puppies out there that she's training now and she's training an additional female that I just brought home a couple weeks ago her name's Rika she's about 16 weeks um she's out there meshed in with her litter and she's training her with the stock too and she's a fantastic trainer she's a fantastic guardian and it just gives me added peace of mind knowing that not only do I have the boys but now I also have her out in the pasture and Um, within the next year or so I want to fence more of my pastures and we just we're kind of moving away from goats too I found that they don't love to eat my grass they're much more interested in trees Um, and I have six acres of cleared grass so we got we started with three really nice sheep this year um, and I'm definitely in love with them they're Katahdins so they're a hair breed um next year once they're older we'll be bringing in a ram for them um but they're they're registered so my kids that are now growing up can show them at the fairs which is something that they were expressing interest in where the goats really weren't registered but even in the short time that i've had them they're definitely much more interested in grazing the grass that's that's their thing i got them specifically from um a herd that's raised solely on grazing they the farmer doesn't supplement with grain or or hay or anything while the grass is still growing he does provide hay in the winter obviously when there's there's no grass to be had but he selects his stock for the ones that grow best and produce best just on pasture um and foraging so i really think that's going to make a huge difference here and give us something 
to work towards with our livestock like we're working towards with our dogs. Because if I'm going to buy and produce well-bred dogs, I really want to have the well-bred livestock that goes along with it. And I really like the direction that we're going in with the sheep. And I'm really excited to see what the future holds for them um, and just growing our farm to an even bigger level than it is right now. So Anatolian Shepherds originated in Turkey. Um, they're obviously a livestock guardian dog that uh, there as well. They they don't necessarily have the same fences that we have in the United States. They're much more migratory shepherds. Um, so the shepherd will leave with his flock and they'll follow the flock as they graze hundreds of acres and the dogs are very tight to their flock. The dogs go with them and protect the flock and the shepherds while they um, graze the hillsides and the mountainsides and stuff. And then they do that pretty much all summer. And then they start to come back uh, in the winter as the grass starts to die. Um, they're a very, they're a very low energy dog, to be honest. Um, they do do their patrolling and stuff, but they spend most of the time pretty much sleeping unless they hear or smell or see a threat. Um, so along with that they really don't eat a ton they'll catch in turkey they'll catch whatever type of proteins and stuff they need as they're wandering with their flock but they're not really provided any outside sources of, of food they're not fed kibble like they are here in the united states uh, and then when they come in for the winter they still have the opportunity to to hunt the small critters but the farmers will provide them with it's almost like a, an oatmeal or a porridge type food um, it's part of the grain that the, the goats and the sheep and stuff they don't eat and they have a much higher grain portion of their diet in Turkey than they would here um, with all the push to have meat only foods in the United States and stuff Anatolians really thrive on a much lower protein diet than most dogs you would see just because of their breeding and their upbringing, that's not a normal thing in Turkey. They don't have the ability to produce and provide a constant high-protein diet, so the dogs have adapted to not need stuff like that. Um, a lot of what you'll see in Turkey, the, the word Anatolian doesn't necessarily exist there. Um, they really started as Kangles and Malakleys, and they have different they have different phenotypes depending on what region of Turkey that they came from when they come to the United States, Anatolian is kind of a mashup of all of the Turkish shepherd breeds. They're all genetically very, very similar or the same, but they all have slightly different appearances. And then the Anatolian in the United States is kind of a conglomeration of all of those different phenotypes and working towards a cohesive standard that, was picked up by the Anatolian Shepherd Club of America um, that now they're bred Anatolian to Anatolian and they have a, a cohesive appearance um, but every now and then you'll still get throwbacks with less of a stop you'll get throwbacks with heavier jowls they, they can all look a little bit different while all still being Anatolians just because they have different appearances in their backgrounds while still all being Anatolians in the United States genetically pretty much nothing um phenotypically which is their appearance a kangle 
for the most part, will be a little bit smaller um, than an Anatolian. Anatolians, while their standard says like 90 to 120 pounds, there are a lot of Anatolians that are that are in the up, upper 140s, 150 pounds. Um, Kangals really don't reach that size. They're a much more athletic-looking dog. Um, they definitely have less of a stop, which it creates some, a less blocky face. That The stop is um, like between the eyebrows, how it moves into their forehead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anatolians, you'll see, have a much more pronounced stop where their muzzle will stop, and then there'll be a rise into their forehead. Um, Kangles, it's more... I don't know how to explain it. Like like a ramp instead of like an actual step mm-hmm. it kind of tapers down into their muzzle instead of stopping and taking a step down into their muzzle um but a lot of the examples i see currently of dogs being bred in turkey don't look like anything that i would be interested in breeding um they definitely breed a lot of survival of the fittest and if the puppies don't survive they don't do anything to assist them in surviving but they're still not breeding for any sort of structure or anything i see dogs that are super straight in the rear that have easty westy front feet and it's just not the goal that i feel like we want to go in in the united states trying to create better dogs that last longer because their dogs might be fantastic workers, but they also might burn out at five or six and need to be replaced. We would like to keep them for as long as possible working and healthy. Because um, it does take a lot to train them um, to work your livestock, so you don't want to be replacing them quite that often. It seems like a regional preference. The Sevis region likes the Kangal appearance. Other regions, they like the heavier mastiffy malakli appearance the akbash is more white more a lighter color without the um black mask and ears and stuff so it really just seems to be that they've taken the same genetics and depending on their region they've developed it to look how they want through selective breeding and through the breedings that survive in that specific region but it doesn't necessarily change the base genetics um if you look at like embark and stuff they will group them all together any sort of turkish shepherd will generally come back if they're pure come back as anatolian and that's not obviously perfect because they only go back three generations so other stuff could have been snuck in before but a kangle will come back as an anatolian because genetically on that level they're they're very very similar um with just different people breeding for different appearances and traits and stuff Right. And a lot of people do great with having a mixed flock of different types of dogs, too. Um, like you were saying, Pyrenees, they're great dogs, but they're much more alert barkers. They try to get the predator to go away rather than fight it. Um, my Anatolians will go off at a predator, but they'll also, if there's a lot of them, they'll stay pretty quiet in case they, unless they have to fight. They would prefer not to, but they're not necessarily as loud as the Pyrenees. The Pyrenees would be there right at the front barking to try to deter the predators. And the Anatolians will bark a bit, but they're always right at the edge of the property, ready for anything that crosses their line to engage with them. Um, And they're definitely not nearly as loud as some of the other livestock breeds. They don't bark over nothing. Um, They're pretty quiet unless they hear an actual threat. Right. 
uh, and they feel like they need to make noise to to let them know that they're there and they're ready. The Anatolian was the 143rd breed that was recognized by the AKC. They were recognized pretty sure in like the late 80s or early 90s. Um, the standard does not call for a really gigantic dog. Um, our club says that they range generally from 90 to about 120 pounds. Um, in the AKC standard, it does give provision for males to weigh about 110 to up to 150. As long as they're proportionate to their structure, they obviously don't want them to be 150 and super overweight. As long as they can still be athletic and do their job at 150, it's not the end of the world. But size shouldn't be the main factor for the Anatolian. And then females generally um, range about 80 to 120 pounds and they definitely should be an athletic dog. Overweight is just going to cause stress on their joints, and it's going to cause them to break down a lot faster than a dog that's kept lean and and fit, especially doing the jobs that they do in the, the climates and the areas that they do it. Um, they The standard wants them to have an ex, uh, intelligent expression eyes are generally of a darker color blue eyes and stuff like that uh, multicolored eyes those are disqualifications um ears are always drop ears they're triangles uh and they're not supposed to come down really past the edge of the face uh so they're not obviously as long as like hound ears and stuff and any sort of prick ears is definitely a disqualification um they also it's worth noting that they don't have a completely level top line like most breeds do. Um, an Anatolian will have a dip or a rise over their shoulders and then a slight dip and it will rise again over their their hips down to their tails. So it kind of looks like a, it's described as a lazy S top line. And then you'll notice them that they're a lot straighter as they're gating back and forth. Um, that provides a really fluid movement so they can keep up speed for quite a distance if they're moving with their flock or if they're in pursuit of a predator it it helps with their movement so they don't get tired um quite so quickly um, anatolians can come in short or long coat short is definitely more common um the short coat is definitely pretty rough textured they're not super soft um feels very waterproof and they have a pretty thick undercoat the longer coat is a little bit more plush but they also still have a thick undercoat but i find that they're much less waterproof and much less like teflon coated so the dirt does tend to stick to them a little bit more um Anatol anatolians can come in any color that's naturally occurring in the breed there's no disqualifications in our standard so that would be fawn with black mask fawn with blue mask uh, liver mask is there gray fawn they have pinto which is like white spotted and then obviously the brindles they can also come in black and tan uh, they don't as far as we can tell by tracking genetics we haven't found any that come in dominant or recessive black so there's no there shouldn't be any solid black Anatolians. 
Um, and there's definitely no Merle or anything like that in the breed. But um, they also have a pretty decent lifespan for a giant breed and especially a livestock dog. Uh, it's usually about 12 to 14 years as long as they remain healthy. Um, and there's really not that many health issues in our breed for health testing. We do um, hips and elbows and thyroid isn't required, but it's definitely beneficial to, to keep track of that. A lot of people do additional testing like heart and eyes and stuff like that, but there's just not enough evidence of that being an actual issue in the breed to require it. So it's great to go above and beyond. And I've done heart on my male kunai and I've also embarked him just to make sure there's no genetic diseases that he's a carrier for. But at this point, none of that is actually required beyond hips and elbows because um, it's just not a major concern in the breed. Is there a difference between the UKC and the AKC as far as standard? Um, not especially. I know that there's a slight difference between like AKC and the registries overseas because they tend to more so mimic the appearance of a Kangle, especially in things like the planes of the head that I was trying to describe earlier where they have a they don't have quite a big quite as big of a stop as the Anatolians in the US do. But you can dual register an Anatolian from AKC to UKC and still finish very easily. Mm -hmm. Um there's not that big of a difference in the standard. Um overseas though some of the registries they also only go along with the uh Fondness Black Mask dogs. So all of the other colors that would come naturally in the Anatolians would be disqualification over there. Okay. Yep. Um, so there's no specific documents on exactly what breeds went into them. I was looking for that earlier on our club's website, but they definitely were a mashup of sight hounds and mastiffs and that gave them their size and their power, but it also gave them their athletic ability and movement. So they're able to go up against the predators, but they're also able to patrol large areas without getting tired. Um, one of the things we have to consider when we're doing vet care with the Anatolians is that they can be sensitive to anesthesia because of the sight hound background in them. Um, sight hounds are dosed to effect, which means they're only given enough to put them to sleep. They're not dosed by weight. Um, if you dose an Anatolian by weight, you can stop their heart, just like you come with a sight hound. So the standard that I mainly go by is the AKC standard. Um, that's just what I show in. But for my own specific dogs outside of the standard, I definitely prefer, prefer a more moderate dog. I don't like huge dogs i don't think that it's necessary but on the same time i don't like super tiny dogs either so right right middle of the road my males are about 120 to 130 um the females are right about 100 pounds um i don't feel that there's a need for dogs that are 150 160 i've even seen up to 170 and i just feel like it's unnecessary it's it's not needed for them to be that big to guard against the predators that we have here um I also don't like hugely mastiffy heads. I don't like 
a ton of extra skin. So while I like a masculine head like my male kunai has, where it's definitely broad everything, I like it to follow the standard. So there's not extra jowls. There's not a ton of skin around his eyes. He doesn't have huge rolls going down his neck. He's just, his skin is tight to his body and it's proportionate to his size. Um, I don't feel that they need, that extra skin doesn't do anything for them. It can get caught up in a fight. It can get ripped. It can get pulled. And I feel like it's just an appearance thing. It doesn't do anything to actually assist with their function in the breed. I don't have a specific height that I look for as long as it's proportionate to the size of the dog. Um, the standard says that general balance is much more important than absolute size. So generally, there are, males are about 29 inches and up and females are 27 inches and up. But as long as they fit the standard and they're proportionate, the size and the height stuff, that doesn't really matter to me. I don't breed for anything specific, mm-hmm. just as long as it fits nice and moderate right in the middle and it's proportionate, then that's good for me. Makes sense. So like I was talking about earlier, we definitely have pretty laid back dogs on our property. They do their job, but they're not go, go, go all the time. Um, I've definitely in seeing the same breed on other farms, there is definitely a range in temperament. Females, for the most part, are much sharper than males. Um, Not only with predators, but generally with visitors and stuff too. Um, And they're less likely to want to go on shopping trips or off property. They're definitely more of a homebody. Um, Showing them females tend to enjoy it less. Uh, Males are pretty goofy unless they have to be a guardian when when it's time to guard they're they're all business but for the most part they're just happy-go-lucky and they don't really have a care in the world and if they're needed they're needed but it seems to be more like a lion pride mm-hmm. in my opinion where the females will do a lot of the work and they're definitely the ones that are more energetic they patrol a lot more the males tend to lay around more unless they're needed and then the males are the backup and the power if something goes wrong and the females need help. Um, on my property, I prefer to run male-female pairs or male-male-female. Long-term female-female generally doesn't work, especially once they all start going into heat. Um, they tend to be much more snappy with each other, and females will fight and hold a grudge pretty much forever the only time the males really fight is if there's a female in heat and that's easy enough to separate them um when that happens but once a female has outgrown her patience with another female there's really no reintroduction to be had it's it's a grudge that's held until they die or move to a new farm before getting anatolians all i really had was was rescue dogs and even just amongst those and they're poor breeding. They definitely have much different temperaments. The Pyrenees Coonhound mix that I have was raised exactly the same way as the Coonhound that I have. And the Pyrenees mix is very social with people, absolutely loves kids, loves to do all sorts of stuff, incredibly well-trained. The Coonhound mix is 
not very intelligent. He's highly aggressive with strangers, um, people that drive by. He can't go to the vet without a muzzle. He's bitten multiple people, and everybody screams, oh, it's all in how they're raised, but it's really not. It's just he's really poorly bred. They bred parents that were had tendencies to be aggressive, and it came out in him as well. And no amount of training or medication that we've tried over his six years is going to change him or make him like my Pyrenees Kunhan mix. So when I was looking for new dogs, because we also had temperament issues with my shepherd mix, he was very shy and very anxious, had terrible separation anxiety, would go through doors and crates and everything if we left him alone. And again, no amount of medication is going to fix that. It can mask it, but it doesn't change the the fear that he felt throughout his life because of his breeding. And when I was looking for a new dog and a dog that was going to function as a livestock dog, an outside dog, but also be part of our family, we, we love them. And I wouldn't say I treat them just as working dogs. They're first and foremost, they're pets. They keep our livestock safe, but if anything ever happened, I would never get rid of them just because I had to sell the stock or something. They're worth more to me than just a livestock guardian dog. I love them as much as I love any of the house dogs. But I wanted a dog that came from parents that were stable because at that point I had learned a lot more about temperament and breeding and genetics and stuff and you can look back and again that's where pedigree would come into play you can look back through the generations and see which dogs were stable which dogs had these issues and you can kind of watch it track through the pedigree this dog is afraid of thunder and it transmits to noise fear in this dog and you really don't want to breed dogs that have those fears because it it doesn't really matter what you do to them it passes on to the puppies regardless because it's mostly genetic so looking at the pedigrees of my boys and the girl I brought in I want to see a solid pedigree solid health solid temperament all the way down through the pedigree and they've been fantastic it's been like night and day with them and and the rescue dogs I didn't have to train them to do what they genetically do naturally like they they naturally guard everything it wasn't something I really had to teach them you have to mold them a little bit and be like okay well that's not something you want to play with we have plenty of stuff to play with over here but for the most part they love the stock they love our family there's no real training that has to be done it just comes natural to them just like retrievers retrieve birds and herding dogs herd stuff a lot of that you can't be taught if they don't have the genetics for it they're never going to be successful at it so we really wanted dogs that had solid temperaments that came from dogs with solid temperaments dogs that were known to be good with kids um and obviously if you're breeding livestock dogs that aren't good with stock you're going to end up producing a bunch more dogs that aren't good with the stock it's not going to fix itself just because you bred two dogs together and then stuck them with some goats it it, there has to be a genetic component behind it or it's not really a livestock guardian dog it's just a dog in well-bred lines not really um because the breeders will go above and beyond to make sure stuff like that doesn't creep in i have heard of a couple cases of shoulder issues in dogs that come from unhealth tested lines um 
and I believe that Embark tests for two different diseases that are possible in Antolians, but still pretty rare. Uh, so rare that I actually can't tell you the name of them. I know he came up negative for them, but I didn't spend too much time looking at it because it's really not a big concern. Mm-hmm. But stuff like eye issues, heart issues, those really aren't common in the breed. I haven't heard of them becoming more common. Um, mainly a lot of what's common is just because of their work, it's the different dysplasias. It's definitely multifactorial. Um, genetics can play a huge role. Um, you, The more you breed dysplastic dogs, the more likely you are to get dysplastic dogs. That doesn't mean that every puppy they produce would be dysplastic, but there's a much higher chance of producing dogs with issues from dogs with issues. And the same is true the other way. You can breed two dogs with excellent hips. It doesn't 100% guarantee that you won't produce a dog with issues, but it's a good way to, to start to prevent it. The other part of dysplasias and stuff it is from their work but it's also from incorrectly raising them a lot of people like to to tether livestock guardian dogs from a young age and being on a chain constantly the weight of the chain or even just the limited movement of a tether can cause them um to have joint issues uh you'll see that also pretty commonly in dogs that are walked with a front clip harness Mm because it will stop the natural gait as they move and it's called short stepping short stepping will cause the joints to rub differently as they mature and it can definitely cause a breakdown in the joint which you wouldn't see if they were allowed to move freely and and gait properly but that's also why they say you're not supposed to do long walks or heavy exercise with puppies um carry them up and down stairs as long as you physically can i know anatolians get pretty big pretty fast but if you're physically capable and you have a lot of stairs carrying them is best for them if you can um stuff like that because all of that on top of genetic factors can definitely increase their chances of dysplasia and presenting with symptoms so when we're looking at that and trying to decide dogs to breed and when it's in our contract that we warranty it we also want to look at how the dog was raised and what their life was like to try to determine if it was a genetically caused issue or if it was something to do with their upbringing. And if we had the money, we would love to do to keep all puppies till 16 weeks and then do pen hip on them. So we know exactly what's leaving our farm. But that's honestly at this point in time unrealistic with it being so expensive. So if it's... If it's a really young dog, chances are it's genetic. If it's a seven or eight year old, chances are it's probably more environmental. But it's definitely beneficial to at least make sure you're testing all the dogs that you're breeding so you know that you're only putting the best genetics forward um, into future generations. So they have the highest chance of not developing issues, uh, especially as they're working heavy, intense jobs. A lot of people say two, and a lot of their bones will be fully fused by two, but my male didn't, Kunai didn't stop growing until almost four. Um, Even within the last six months between like three and a half and in the beginnings of four, he probably put on about another eight pounds and he's not overweight. Um, He's just continued to fill out. His neck has gotten thicker and his 
around his rib cage has gotten a little bit thicker while he still has a really nice tuck up and a waist but they definitely continue to mature and fill out as they age especially in females um you'll notice drastic changes even after they hit two so if it's possible to not alter them i would say don't fix them until they're at least three because they definitely still continue to, to grow and mature and fill out after the baseline of, of two years. Um, I don't warranty in my contract any sort of defects if they're altered before two, unless it's for a life-threatening issue. Um, like if a female developed pyometra or something, and they, they didn't have any other option besides to, to spay them young. Um, then I would, of course, still honor the warranty. But if they're doing it just to spay or neuter them without them getting the, the full benefit of the hormones for growth, then that um, that voids that part of my warranty just because it's, it's so important for them, if it's at all possible, to have those hormones to keep growing properly um, and maturing. It helps their joints and their bones, and it really decreases the risk of many different types of cancers, especially bone cancer. Um, a lot of times you'll hear leaving the female intact increases the chance of mammary cancer, but it, it can, but mammary cancer is, is very, very treatable, especially if you catch it early. Um, and generally it doesn't metastasize anywhere. Bone cancer, which is what you lessen the chances of by leaving them intact, that's like 99% fatal. Even if you amputate the limb that it appears in, it almost always moves and it's it's pretty much a death sentence there's really nothing you can do for it um and that has a much higher chance of occurring in pediatric altered dogs um that's generally closer to two uh my males definitely came into themselves by two mm -hmm. um with putting up with less antics from the other dogs and the house dogs and stuff. Uh, they're still both very fair and level-headed, but they won't tolerate, once they turn two, they won't tolerate being snapped at. They won't tolerate a bad attitude from the other animals on the property. Um, the females that I've had have both come to me as adults. Um, the first female was almost three and the second female was over three. So they were both fully mature when they got here. Uh, Bryn, the female I have now is, is very, very tolerant, but she still won't take rudeness from even the other puppies. Um, she'll put her puppies right down if they're being naughty and she's, she demands respect even from the 16 week old that I brought in that's in with her and, they're very good teachers, but they definitely, I would say probably right around two as well. That's when you usually see females start to fight with each other um, between 18 months and two. They're most of the time not capable of living with each other past that. That's when they really start going into heat regularly, and that can definitely impact their relationship with the, the dogs that they live with. I haven't found an issue with it both of the litters that i've bred were easily free whelped uh like i said the first litter was only four so it wasn't a necessarily difficult labor um Bryn's puppies that were just born she had 11 two were stillborn but she did have 11 um she birthed them very easily very fast she was very attentive to them cleaned them up 
didn't mind me helping. I prefer to birth in a physical whelping box in my house, although I know a lot of livestock people will let them birth right out with the goats and sheep, and that would be more traditional with what they would do in Turkey, but my feelings are if I can do anything to prevent the death of a puppy, I definitely want to do that, and having them inside for the first couple weeks definitely gives me the opportunity to weigh them and monitor them and make sure that nothing's going wrong with them. Um, For at least the first two weeks, I have a couch set up right next to the whelping box, so I actually sleep right next to them and make sure she doesn't squish any or anything happens, but she was very very attentive to them she would move them out of the way before she laid down we never had any sort of issue like that um she gets along with my house dogs but she would tell them away from the the, the whelping box she didn't want them anywhere near her puppies when she had them the same with my cats she wouldn't hurt them but she would bark at them and make them leave her whelping area um alone she didn't have any issues with people though my kids were able to go right up to her and interact with her and the puppies same with me my fiance and people I brought over to start socializing the puppies she was great with all of them um but they're definitely very motherly um and even now the puppies are nine or so weeks and she's still with them full time and she still spends all day teaching them about the livestock and how to behave and not be a jerk Mm because I've watched some of them talk back to her and she'll she'll step on him and push him right down to the ground and snap at him and she doesn't hurt him but she still gives him a lesson and teaches him that's that's not appropriate behavior and they're not going to be jerks to her or the siblings or the stock and I find that that's super important with training a livestock dog to not let them get away with it as puppies and it's so important to have good training dogs that will expect and demand proper behavior from the puppies so they don't they don't get away with it as puppies because if they get away with it as puppies, they're going to try to get away with it as young adults and they're going to eventually outgrow the stock. They're going to be bigger than them. And while it's cute for a puppy to chase the goats, it's not cute for a hundred pound adolescent to chase the goats around. They can put them through a fence. They can pin them to the ground. They can really hurt them or even kill them. Um, So having a, a dog that will teach them that that's not allowed at eight weeks really goes a long way to, to seeing that they don't do that as they grow. They're not great on obedience. If you're looking for a dog to take to an obedience competition, you're going to be sorely disappointed with an Anatolian. Yeah. Um, I think Kunai, my older male, is the only one that will reliably even sit for me on command. Um, if it's not valuable or rewarding to them they're gonna look at you like you're crazy um the only thing i really really force is manners like if we're out in public they're not allowed to pull on leash they're not allowed to jump on people stuff like that um i definitely do a lot of correction with that but i don't expect them to be an obedience dog i don't expect them to be half an acre away and to sit on command or come up and lay down it's just not their nature they they lay down when they're comfortable if they think there's something to look at they don't care what you say they're going to get up and look at it um and that's just part of their nature as a livestock guardian dog they're not as trainable as a herding dog or as a lab because that's just not in their nature their their nature is to make decisions for themselves because sometimes they'll be 
in Turkey, there'll be 5,000 sheep and 40 livestock dogs and one shepherd. And they have to decide what's a threat, what's not a threat, where's the herd going, we have to follow them. They don't wait for orders from their shepherd, and they're definitely not trained like we think of a trained dog. They're, this is a threat, I have to make this decision for myself, and they go and they do it. And that's just, that's just the breed. Definitely. Um, like I said, Border Collies are generally highly trainable. Anatolians, not so much. Uh, if you're looking to show your dog, it's really important to start them as soon as you get them with socialization. If you try to take a dog that's been on a farm for two years and stick them in a show, they're gonna, they're not going to be able to handle it. Um, and some dogs, even when you start them young, the show is just not their place. They don't do well. They shut down because they're off property. These dogs are meant mainly to be home to be livestock guardians they don't like to be in public often and that's that's normal that's part of the breed um males can get very heated with each other especially if they start challenging each other and that can be as much as just a a side eye glance to another male so when you're showing them you definitely want to keep your distance especially if you don't know the other dogs you're showing against like I can take Kuna and Crack into a show and they'll be fine right up next to each other. They're not going to fight because they live together. But if a third male comes in and he growls with them, then they're going to be very upset that they were growled at. And it's going to take a lot more effort to get them to refocus and not attack that dog because that dog created itself as a threat to them. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely important, especially because the judge has to touch them all over to get them used to that when they're little. Um, I find that a lot of females really don't accept showing after two. They just, they, they shut down. They don't like it. Um, males have generally a longer show career, and that's obviously not true of every dog. Every dog is an individual, so some dogs are definitely different. But a lot of females will show as puppies, and you hope you finish them because at some point they're just not going to like it anymore, and they're not going to tolerate being touched all over by a stranger get have all the other dogs in their faces and all the other smells and stuff they just don't enjoy it and they're either going to be growly and snarky or they're just going to shut down and be miserable and neither of those are what you really want to show you don't want to torture the dog if they don't enjoy it, it's not the end of the world they don't have to show um they have a much more important function at home and if you get a couple shows under your belt at least somebody has evaluated their structure so you know that they're not horribly outside structure um but yeah the anatolians not everyone enjoy show and that's perfectly okay because they're anatolians mm-hmm. so exactly a lot of it is posture they stand much taller they'll raise their hackles they have quite a bit of extra skin around their necks to, to make themselves look better um obviously they'll growl they'll bark but they, they pretty much hold their ground unless the, the threat makes the first move. Um, a lot of times they'll stay pretty close to their stock. If it's a huge pasture, they'll stay by them. Uh, the pasture I have open right now is only like 80 by 100, so it's really not a big space. They can clear one side to the other in half a second. So they might move to the edge of the pasture right up against the fence to make a scene. Um, if they have nice solid fences, a lot of times they'll, they'll stand up on their hind legs and make themselves look even bigger. Um, but I find that a lot of their um, show will depend on what predator they're looking at. Um, 
coyotes a lot of times sometimes they'll bark but a lot of times they'll stay quiet bears you see a lot of them try to get up on their hind legs to make themselves look bigger because bears are obviously bigger than coyotes but they generally most bears would rather not attack um they'll wander through if there's an easy meal they'll go for it but if there's a lot of stuff or a lot of dogs protecting the meal they don't they don't want the trouble they'd rather go find a trash can somewhere else um and that works with a lot of smaller threats too it's mainly the coyotes that are a problem because there's just so many of them um the dogs will band together and, and work against them Not really a trait, but I think the biggest surprise was the biggest divide in the show world. Um, there are honestly very few show Anatolians that also work. Mm-hmm. A lot of Anatolians that show are bred from lines that are just pets. And I feel like that's the way the club seems to be going, is that they put more stock in breeding them for pets instead of breeding them for what they're actually used for. And to me, that's honestly sad. They can be great dual-purpose dogs, and some definitely are, are great as pets, but they are livestock guardian dogs. You really can't fully breed that out of them, and I don't really think that we should try. Um, a lot of awards that the club will give out to dogs would be things that they're doing in pet settings instead of things that they're doing in working settings. Like, they have a therapy dog award and stuff. And they're great. Anatolians can be great therapy dogs. Kunai really would be too, but I feel like we should be putting more stock and more awards into rewarding the working side of the breed since that's what they're actually supposed to be instead of always seeming to congratulate the ones that have just had a bath and had their nails dremeled and are super active and and happy to see the judges because that's just not proper Anatolian temperament. They shouldn't be wiggly and tail wagging and super animated in the ring. They're they're just not. They're supposed to be a little bit aloof because aloof is in their temperament anyway. They shouldn't be super excited to greet strangers. It's just not part of their breed and it shouldn't be part of their breed. It kind of takes away from their ability to be livestock guardians if they're breeding towards super friendly towards strangers and stuff. Not really. I just think a lot of the people that are involved in the breed club now don't really have working farms, so they're pushing more towards the the pet breedings of the Anatolians. I just think that we need to get more actual farmers with registered Anatolians into the breed club so that when votes and stuff happen, it's farmers that are voting just to see the changes that they want to see instead of pet people seeing the changes that they want to see. I feel like a lot of it is many farmers are buying Anatolians, but they're not necessarily buying registered Anatolians, so they're not part of the breed club. Mm -hmm. Um, And then if you don't have a voice, it's really easy to get left out. Just for ease, I feed mainly kibble. I don't feed a specific type of kibble. Um, I have 10 full-time dogs here, so they eat a lot regardless of how much they actually eat because there's 10 of them. Uh, so I I get a great deal from Tractor Supply. Um, I get any of their ripped bags that come in on their truck pretty cheap. But I try to always make sure that it's a pretty low-protein food once they're adults. Um, I can always mix bags together to make lower-protein food. They just don't need the 
higher protein food, I find that that can pack weight on them because they're just not that active, especially after they hit maturity. Um, they sleep quite a bit of the day, but I know a lot of people have success with feeding raw, and that would be great. I just can't afford raw for that many dogs, and I don't have the time to balance it perfectly for that many dogs if I'm doing it myself. Um, I do supplement with raw, especially when we have stuff that we've produced on our farm. So one of my goals with the sheep is that any that don't sell, I'll at least be able to process them here and feed them back to the dogs, which will help during the winter some. Um, but for the most part, I just feed kibble to them and just watch their weight and make sure that they're doing okay on it. Beyond the ones that I have, if I were to get a different breed of dog, I would probably go either Great Dane because I have met some of them and I do tend to prefer the larger breed dogs. I find after owning Anatolians, my other dogs seem incredibly small, even though they're they're just general normal sized dogs. But I also have an affinity for Dalmatians, which seems kind of out there, but I would definitely maybe once my house dogs pass consider having having a dalmatian or two inside because they just they're really interesting to me mm -hmm. um for small dogs the only one i've ever really had any interest in would be a powder puff chinese crested um yeah. i know a couple breeders of those and i don't know they just seem like a big dog in a small dog's body with a lot of personality so i don't i don't dislike them as much as I do other small dogs. And I don't I don't hate small dogs. They're just, I feel like I would trip over them because they're just under feet. And I don't know. I just don't have any super affinity towards any other small breeds of dogs. All right. Yeah. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to getting those pictures. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye.